Warning. The Dubtalk podcast uses strong language that might not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast may contain spoilers for Lily Cat, as well as any other anime. Please use caution in case there is a series you haven't finished yet. And finally, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dubtalk podcast as a whole. Listeners, and welcome to the first annual Dub Talk Spooktacular! Ooh. <laughs> At least I think. I don't I don't recall if we've done a branded Halloween episode in the past. I don't remember. We have. We've done Hikarashi, and I think Devil Man Crybaby was supposed to be a Halloween episode, so this is kind of in that right, thing. The second and a half Dub Talk Halloween <laughs> Spooktacular! Ooh. <laughs> terrifying because we're going to cover the most scary thing that anyone here has ever heard of before a cartoon from the 80s ah! that's that's right kids it's also a retro episode we hadn't had one of those in a while we have not uh, uh the one place you can the one place you can escape from capitalism space. oh wait no you can't escape from capitalism <laughs> nope <laughs> <laughs> uh, god damn you tech bros we had we had it all. We had it perfect, and then you ruined it. You messed it up. You blew it up, you damn animals. I mean, uh, Cowboy Bebop was way ahead of its time. <sighs> but so, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, what? Uh, so let's see. We're going uh, back in time here. So, who who did we get to uh, talk about this thing? Who was cool enough to jump on this spaceship? Well, uh, here tonight we have we have myself, Amon, for reasons that will become obvious in a minute when I talk about the thing we picked. Uh, and here on my left, we have uh, the great No Clue. Out in space. Nobody can hear you scream. Which is a big problem if you're a voice actor, because they kind of need to hear that. This is true. Uh, and on my right, we have the great Jet. Uh, hey, uh, every, I feel like every time we talk about a thing in space... Since I, Tim Curry just says we have strayed further from God's light. <laughs> well, it's not untrue. You know, and I, I, feel, I feel like uh, what really strayed from God's light is um, that uh, those cool Japanimation movies uh, that they're watching these days. You know, the ones that this isn't your grandpa's cartoons. This ain't no Bugs Bunny nonsense. No, this is hardcore blood and titties action. Uh, b- oh boy, that's uh, that's gonna be ironic. What is the actors we're gonna be talking about today? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If anyone remembers, oh, yeah. everyone remembers uh, when anime was marketed back in the the early '90s. It, it was all built on like a grindhouse aesthetic of like these are cartoons you can't get anywhere because they're they're R-rated. They're for mature people like yourself, and that's basically all we got imported for quite a while. And it's not like that when... I remember seeing ADV ads in the early 2000s. They were only marginally more sophisticated than that. Are anime fans born or created? (sighs) Definitely, definitely, definitely some lady intoning not kid stuff over like a shot of boobs or something. Mm. And thank God for that. Indeed. 
so given all that, what did we pick to cover today? Uh, surely some sort of uh, a, a famous uh, a legendary masterpiece that uh, everyone and their mom tells you all about? Absolutely not. We picked what might be the most obscure thing that Streamline put out that wasn't actively bad. Hell yeah. We are covering Lilycat, a uh, straight-to-video OVA from 1987 that got brought over to the U.S. by Streamline in July of 1992. Hey, I like Alien, and I also like The Thing. 
what if alien, but it has the thing instead of a xenomorph? <laughs> Uh, and that's how they accidentally made Among Us the movie in 1987. Oh! <laughs> Ahmad, Ahmad, Ahmad. We were supposed to be holding on to that little nugget until later in the episode. You just popped our cherry too soon. <laughs> it is. Like, I forget which one he pointed out. It's like, oh my god, this is Among Us the movie. It's the thing on a spaceship. That's what Among Us is. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're totally not doing this just to get cool with the kids. This absolute like, like I think Jet, you were the no, one to like, 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 I, I mean, I, said, I mean, we'll get into it when we like talk about the actual description of the movie. But uh, yeah, it is basically just a fuck us. <laughs> so, what pretty hell is this movie about? Let me give you a brief plot description from Anime News Network. A crew travels across the universe in a ship that can travel for twenty years, while the crew will age only one year. Suddenly, some of the crew members are coming down with some sort of virus. With no help from the outside world, can the crew survive this viral attack for a year? I don't know why it's phrased like that. The whole movie takes place, of course, about, like, what, maybe 12 hours? Yes, uh, yeah, Pretty much. And, uh, uh, yeah. And uh, it should be noticed the reason we are making so many Among Us jokes is because uh, the big, one of the big subplots of the movie is that there is an imposter report. Yes. They're literally, uh, the two, technically. Two, two, two people snuck on board saying they are people they are not, and a subplot is trying to figure out who among the correct crew is that. And is that the person who is picking off people one by one? Exactly. As it turns out, no, but we'll get to that. Yes. Uh. So, uh, obviously, I, I'm just going to guess here that with uh, that kind of a description that this is not the kind of thing that would normally be brought over to America, dubbed and released uh, in, in the time period that it came out. Strictly no, just because 1987, like, I mean, anime in America was still, was like, it was still the Robotech days at that point. There wasn't, uh, it wasn't too mature yet. But about a little under a decade later, then you could sell that to video stores. Then they'd carry it. Yes, they would. Mm-hmm. Yes, they would. I, I just imagine and... going into a video store, like, right between Pocahontas and Five Goes West, there's a lily cat right there. And kids looking at it, and it's like, oh, it's got a cat, and it's a cartoon. I'm going to pick this up and take it home. And then they became a 4chan user ten years later. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to say something about them being traumatized, and, and I was going to say, well, isn't that just the Watership Down experience? It's like you're getting a nice movie about bunnies and you regret it immediately. I still don't know how that got made. And now I'm sad because I remember bunnies. the It's a cartoon, down. right? It's for kids. Of course, absolutely. Yes, of course, all cartoons are for kids. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got this amazing cartoon over here called The Hills Have Size. Would you guys like to check that out? Maybe later. Boy, would I? <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> So yeah, do we want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, the studio that brought this over to be dubbed in the first place? Yes, this was brought over by Streamline Entertainment. Rest in peace. Uh, now, for for you for you younger kids, I don't know if that name means anything to you anymore. But uh, if you're around like our age, uh, we we I mean I think for me personally, I definitely miss <clears throat> the heyday of Streamline Entertainment. But they were still a name when I was getting into anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually in Usually by older nerds who weren't very happy with them, if I'm being honest. Um, it's not a, it's yeah, not yeah, yeah, I know about older nerds, it was like, everyone praised animes and then Streamline was just kind of like, eh. 
Well, it wasn't just the uh, the sense that it was mediocrity or that what they were bringing over wasn't spectacular. It's that they they were predominantly responsible for Robotech. And to summarize the Robotech scenario, that is three different macro three different science fiction series all glued together from the original Japanese to make its own American version. Now, at the time, a lot of people really liked it because they'd never seen anything quite like it. But with the knowledge that it had, it took original content, spliced it up, and turned it into something totally not like the original, that made a lot of people unhappy. Now, Streamline never really did anything to that extent again. Um, well, that's that's because Streamline wasn't responsible for yeah. Robotech. I, yeah, I apologize. I mean, not... all they did, like, all they, we'll all they did was dub it. No, they didn't dub it. Stream, Streamline didn't exist when Robotech was made. No, no, not. I'm sorry. I misspoke oh. on Streamline, but the, the individual who co founded yes. Streamline. Ah. Yes. No, well, I, I learned this. Like, apparently, like, I mean, he did it, but from what I can tell, like, he was basically just hired to do it. Like, it wasn't strictly his idea. We gotta blame somebody. Because, of course, anime fans blame the wrong person for things. Uh, well, yes, that is always true. Oh, oh, but, oh, um, but, oh, but don't you know, I mean, they, they always blame the right people. They're just always knowledgeable about everything. Indeed. Um, but yeah, anyways, yes, but but that said, you know, they were they did, like, put out Robotech on home video afterwards because of that connection. And also because I don't think Harmony Gold actually had a home video distribution arm. No. Why would they? Uh, uh, to think we're still dealing with those in this very day. Holding companies, man, they suck. I'm actually looking at my shelf, and my copy of Robotech from home, on home video is actually by ADV. Now, I think that's a re-release from the... Uh, sorry, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that was the, yeah, that was the uh, release ADV put out. Uh, wait, uh, yeah, we're not visiting who's starting that show. We're, we're just like, we're just going to... Well, I think, I think, I think... I think that's the release that was in parallel with that version of Macross that you're thinking of. They did both at the time. Uh, yeah, that was the way I first watched Macross. So, uh, that's the way yeah. I watched Macross. I, I think that's how a lot of people watched Macross, to be honest. Because that was in print for a lot longer than I think people realized <laughs> it was. Well, I mean, if you weren't old enough for Robotech, that probably is how you watched oh, yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, our point is, is that back in the day, we didn't have streaming services. We didn't have a whole lot of avenues for home video releases. So Streamline was really prominent in starting that trend off. Them and uh, the very originally named manga entertainment so, mm -hmm. so there is a, a lot to respect about them um even if we can argue about the quality of the dubs that they produced in their time yeah it's i i, I found it funny doing research about this of how much of a bad rap they get when like one of the reasons they were started was because the the individual mentioned it there like part of it is, i think part of the reason he did is because he thought a lot of anime dubs were kind of bad and thought i can do better he wasn't wrong um you, you look, he wasn't wrong i mean uh, I'm thinking of, like, uh, the dubs for Tezuka Productions that came out in, like, the 60s as your baseline mm -hmm. in comparison. Yeah, y these are definitely better than that. It's, yeah. e it's even better. I forget which, but one of the Miyazaki movies they picked up, he was familiar with the, like, dub that had been made for Japanese airlines, and his thought oh, was, I yeah. could do a better job than this. That was, um, which one was that? Was That wasn't Nausicaa, because uh, they did one for My uh, Name is Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, and I think uh, it was for it Lapida. Be, it yeah, it, say, might, it might have been Laputa because I was—I think that was like the first movie they licensed, actually. As I, 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 I say, wait, I was about to say about a dog, and I was like, oh wait, no, that was the one where Miyazaki actually put his foot down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I, the last thing I want to mention before we actually talk about this movie is that 
Uh, the only way that people may actually have heard a modern stream, uh, a streamlined dub in the modern era is The Castle of Cagliostro, the Lupin the Third movie, because their version is the one that was streaming for quite a while. I don't know how this happened exactly, but there's a streamlined dub that came out earlier, and then there was the manga entertainment one that came out in like the early 2000s. That's the one that uh, people saw for quite a while, but then the streamlined dub got put up on like Netflix, it made the rounds in uh, theatrical releases uh, in the last five years. So uh, people who like saw Ca the Castle of Cagliostro recently may have seen that dub, and I think it's also included oh, yeah. on the new um, discotheque release. Oh yeah, I can, yeah, no, I can I... confirm that. When I watched Cagliostro on Netflix, it was in fact a streamlined dub. Yeah, I've, I've, I've noticed that if they're in a position to get it, if Discotech re-release something that Streamline put out back in the day, they'll usually make the effort to get the Streamline dub. Mm -hmm. uh, which means quite a, like about maybe like a third of their output is in print that way at this point. Like, it's kind of fascinating. It is. Mm. Including yeah. this movie. Including this one. Uh, sort of. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> anyways, shall we talk about who actually worked on this? Yeah, so who, who was bonkers and or broke enough to work on dubbing an 80s anime OVA in 1994? Well, we have a couple of guys who are working on it. We have... We'll start We'll start with the, uh, the slightly lesser known of the two, and then we'll work our way up. Uh, well, you know what? Let's just talk about them. <laughs> Directing this, we have two directors. We have uh, Greg Sneg uh, Gregory Snegoff. I was I was waiting also, for you to pronounce that. Yes, I, I'm I'm gonna guess Snegoff. I'm I'm not sure, but that what it looks like to me. Who is also the scriptwriter, and the other one is the one, the only, the man who makes old weeds blood boil, Carl Masick. You can't see me, a but man my blood's gets, totally boiling over here. A, a man, a man who, in my opinion, gets way too much crap, but that's another story. Uh. Carl Masick is responsible for, well, he's the one, he was the one hired to engineer Robotech, so that. Uh, and he also did a bunch of other stuff while working at Streamline. He did Megazone 23 Part 1, he did Wicked City, uh, he is responsible for all of the Streamline, Loop on the Third, and Dirty Pair doves. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, let's see, uh, Gregory Snegoff is a director, is also uh, responsible for stuff like Captain Harlock and Queen of a Thousand Years, which was the other weird <laughs> mashup thing. Oh my god, I forgot. That was, the that was like the first, uh, the first Captain Harlock anything that got brought over to America in yep. dub. Yep, they, 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 did, they did the Robotech trick with uh, Captain Harlock and a Queen Esmeralda series so it could hit streaming, uh, like syndication numbers, basically. Uh, he, he also directed the dubs for uh, Google 13 The Professional, and he also worked on Wicked City. Uh, Carl Masick also produced the dub. I think technically he's the producer on like pretty much all of Streamline's dubs because it was his company. Pretty much sounds like um, it. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. also as for my research of this, I read a uh, history of Streamline that Fred Patton had written up a couple years before he passed away. That's on the Cartoon Research website, and in what I thought was a very funny thing to read about, given the news in the last couple months. Uh, he brief Fred, Fred Pratt and Bass briefly mentions, I was never really involved in any of the dubs because Carl, one of Carl's things was that if they were doing a dub for Streamline, it was going to be Union. Mm. It was a hard line. Streamline dubs were going to be Union dubs. That makes a lot of sense when you talk about the cast list because I was looking at who's in this and I was like, I know these people and I don't know how big they were at the time, but they're they're established yeah, it, in the voice acting community, so yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's actually pretty surreal how many of these actors are actually still around now. 
Yeah, I, 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 for all, for all his reputation, I feel like one of Masek's things was he like he did like anime. He did want to take this seriously. I think it's like no, I'm gonna yeah. get professional actors who have the chops and the you know credentials. Mm -hmm. That's who I'm gonna pull for, not just whatever randos they can find on the street. <laughs> We're not gonna call in the the secretary to do bit voices. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and Gregory Snegoff is also he's. Also, as he's a scriptwriter, he is scriptwritten for stuff like Crying Freeman. He did the streamlined version of My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, and to my shock, he's still working. Really? He did scriptwriting for Bastard. Like, the one on Netflix right now. Oh, You're wow. kidding. He did scriptwriting for Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Huh. He is still working. You know Amazing. what? Considering, considering that uh, people like, uh, was it, uh... Uh, Bob Bushhold are still kind of active in the industry. I guess that makes sense. I think it. I think oh, it's just oh funny Bob Bushhold is very involved in the industry. Still. Right, right. Yeah, I think. I think it's just funny because based on what I could look from his credits, there's like you know he kind of like dipped out of the industry like for a while and then came back in, and I'm not, that I'm not used to seeing. Well, I mean, when... either they like either like stop after a certain point, or there are people like Bob Buckholtz who they just they just been working there the entire time. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, so, I mean, uh, we're seeing Joshua Seth apparently come back to anime, so I guess there are some people who just like come back what, after a while. Wait, wait, wait. Wonders you never see. Wait, 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 wait. Ty from Digimon Joshua Seth? Uh, so, yep. uh, so, oh yeah, he's oh yeah, he's uh, he, yeah, he's uh, posted a few tweets mentioning he's done some anime work recently. No so, kidding. Uh, I guess he's back in the game. Good for him. Yeah, so, so uh, before, we, before we get before we yeah, <laughs> get to the discussion, I will introduce the cast. Uh, there's a fair number of characters, but since this movie doesn't even crack 80 minutes, I'm just going to introduce them all up front, uh, and then we'll have our discussion. Okay, I'm at, so who's in this movie? I, I'm going to, uh, well, by the time he's done with this, I'm going to finish this wild cherry Pepsi. So your time starts absolutely. now. Ding. Uh, first up, we have uh, Hiro Takagi. Uh, I'm gonna—he's—he's he's one of the people who's on this research vessel. They're there to explore a planet, basically. It's not really important, um, but it turns out he has a secret, which is that he's not who he says he is, and he's actually in hiding because he uh, killed some drug dealers who got his uh, sister addicted to drugs, and then she died. Uh, he's on the run for that, uh, and he is being played by Bob Bergen. Uh, who did it? He, he was one of the Streamline regulars. He was uh, Streamline's go-to voice for Lupin the Third. He plays uh, Kai and Masura, in the, uh, who are two of the little like weird, sort of wrinkly old-looking kids in Akira in the Streamline dub. Uh, he's Mame in Letters to Momo. The thing you probably know him for is that since the 90s, he's been the official voice of Porky Pig and Tweety Bird, which is very surreal. <laughs> it truly is. It's very interesting that if you look at his, his credits list, he, he mostly does, you know, one-off anime stuff like this until mm -hmm. the mid-90s, which, I don't know if you know, but there's this little uh, Looney Tunes-based movie that came out in 1996. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, called Space Jam. And ever since then, he, that, that seems to be when he picked up his Porky Pig role. To the, and he's been doing it continuously ever since, to the point that he is the only... Uh, regular Looney Tunes actor who they brought back for their future counterpart in the controversial Warner Brothers series Lunatics Unleashed. Everybody else is a recast, but not Bob. They brought Bob back. I'm, I'm suddenly reminded of that video that goes around Twitter periodically where he explains how to do the Porky Pig voice and at the end explains, and that's called job security. <laughs> As it turns out doing the Porky Pig voice correctly is really hard. Oh, yes. Uh, also, I found out, apparently, if uh, they are doing uh, Star Wars video games and can't get Mark Hamill, he usually is their go-to for Luke Skywalker. Yes. 
Which is, Anyways. again, job security. Absolutely. He's a talented guy. Good for him. Uh, next up, we have Nancy. Nancy is the head of the corporation that's funding this research trip. Uh, sorry, she's the daughter the of the head. Yeah. Um, I lost a word in there. She's the daughter of the head of this company. Um, she apparently just thought this would be fun, even though it involves going to cryosleep for 40 years. Typical rich girl. Uh, I know. Apparently she did it because she was, she, was she was mad about some lady her uh, her, her ex liked or something like that. I, I think it was specifically like she was mad that like one of her friends like stole her boyfriend or something. Because she was yes. like, haha, I'm going to go to space and be like beautiful 40 years from now you're going to be old or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, is, which is both dumb but a level of petty that I can kind of admire. Um, she also has a cat. The cat will be semi-important later. Uh, and she is being played by Judy Maddalena, uh, who is played a bunch of things. She's uh, Ikaru Shido in the dub for Magic Knight Rayearth. Mm -hmm. uh, she's one of the voices of the Tachikomas in Ghost of the Shell Standalone Complex. Bust and hips. Uh, and uh, she is the voice of Pinocchio in the various dubs of Blackjack that animes did. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, worth noting that uh, she doesn't do a... She's not doing much voice acting these days, but she's still doing a lot of voice directing. Mm. Yes. Uh, next up, we have Same. we have Dick Barry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you read that on your screen, right? Dick Barry. <laughs> We're seven. <laughs> Dick Barry. Dick Barry is Australian. Because they offhandedly mentioned in the Japanese version that he's Australian, and I guess they thought, you know what? Sure. Why not? Some weeb will probably complain about it if we don't. Uh, and he, he, he is, it turns out, he also has a secret. Uh, which, much like Hero, he actually snuck in under false pretenses, but not to hide from anything. He's actually a cop here to arrest Hero and take him back to Earth. Because apparently he feels like, you know, it'll be 40 years later, no one will care, but he should still be brought to justice. He, he, this he, may have been a... He, he is part of the uh, the elite fan club that we're going to call the Zenigata fan club. Those who will continue <laughs> to chase after their uh, secret lover slash convict. Okay, to be fair, Zenigata is a... Okay, I can't say good cop, but he's at least like... No, not you can't. Actively, okay, okay, he's at least not—he's at least not terrible and, and basically too stupid to be corrupt. Can we? I was going to say. Can, I was going to say. You're right. We might be able to say he's exempt from ACAB. But if you have seen the, um, uh, which one is it? Because I'm watching. Uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. What we call physically not missing, not missing. Yes. but like in every I, version of his life, that's any good. You can't say. Fujiko Mine notwithstanding. That's important! <laughs> <laughs> would Gre would, would, uh, would Dick Barry sleep with Fujiko Mine? That's the question. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely! Look at him! Look at that mustache! Look at that mustache! How is that a question? I, I, you're right. I, I guess when you look like that... It looks like, like John Holmes, for God's sake. Okay, no, the important thing... You know, the question to ask is not would they sleep in Fuzuko Mine, it's who would not sleep in Fuzuko Mine. I'm going to stand up and sit promptly back down because I can't argue with that. But who voices Dick Barry in his amazing Dick Australian Barry, accent? D Dick Barry is in fact voiced by Gregory Snigoff, yeah. uh, appearing in our 
movie here. Uh, he, as you might get, a lot of these people showed up in other streamlined dubs. They, they clearly had actors they were familiar with and liked coming back to. Uh, he voiced such characters as Rey in the Fist of the North Star movie. He is uh, Taki Renzaboro and the narrator in Wicked City. And he is Duke Togo. Yes, Gogo 13 himself in Gogo 13 the Professional. Oh, cool. So there you go. Of course, if, if we're going to talk with Amon here, we've got to bring up one of his more famous roles to the B-movie crowd. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're Hunter of the Future! I saw that he wasn't that, was he? <laughs> I think he was your. I think that it's credited as that, unless that's a typo. Really? Oh, my. Yes. I think I missed that. <laughs> For all you MST3K people out there, hunt down the original movie with no riff tracksing over it. It is still amazing all on its own. Oh, boy. They were in the oh, future yeah, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. time. All right. Who do we have next, you might be asking? Well, we have some of the crew, in fact. Uh, we have Captain Mike Hamilton. He's the captain of the ship. He's done this a lot. He is very world-weary. He's He has some regrets. He's mm -hmm. planning to retire after this trip because he's tired of getting frozen and unfrozen all the time and watching everyone he loves get old and die. He looks a little like Abe Lincoln, without a you know with the chin strap. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know for some reason I kept thinking like Logan. Uh, yeah, oh, like no, it's the hair. Yeah, it's the hair. Yeah, I see that. Uh, and uh, he is being played by uh, the late great Michael Reynolds. Uh, you might know him for a few things. He's uh, Giuseppe Maillart in Wicked City. He is Bob Braggin in Google Thirteen: The Professional. But that's not what you know him from. You know him because he's he's Genai in Digimon. Uh, yeah, that is like, yeah, that is literally the, like would be really what I recognized. Yeah, I, I, he opened his mouth and it's like, oh, I know you. It, it didn't take long, but it, it took a few seconds of like, I know this voice. I, I know this voice somewhere. And and sure enough, I don't know what line it was exactly, but it was very early in the movie. And I was like, you've taken some Digi Destin to the digital world before, haven't you? Or you shown them how to get out of the digital world? Absolutely. Uh, and, and assisting our good captain is uh, Caroline, who's sort of the I don't I don't think she's like officially the first mate, but she seems to be kind of like the the highest up person after the captain. Mm -hmm. uh, she's very resourceful, and unlike a lot of the crew, she actually makes it to the, to the uh, two thirds mark of the movie, <laughs> which is not <laughs> something. The, all the rest of the characters we talk about after her die pretty early on. I'm gonna be up real real upfront with you. This is not a movie where anyone lasts very long. No. Uh, and uh, she is being played by Brittany Harlow, who you might know for such roles as uh, Eve in Megazone 23, Olivia Snow in that Captain Harlock TV show we talked about earlier, and she is, in fact, Claudia Grant in Robotech. <laughs> so now you know. Uh, now we get to the dead meat portion of the cast. <laughs> First up, we have Jimmy. He's a scrawny little redheaded man. Uh, he is being played by Michael Sorich. <laughs> Baby Michael Sorich back in the 90s. <laughs> Probably wasn't a baby at that point, but you know what I mean. Uh, uh, Michael Sorich is... Yeah, yeah you're right. He, he would have been. I, I don't know. Do I do I need to read off his cast list at this point? I feel like he shows up in enough of our episodes. <laughs> I know, he's, he's Vox and Dora Hidoro. He's Jogo and Jujutsu Kaisen. He's a million other things. He seems nice. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He does seem nice. He's. Yeah, I, I was honestly surprised looking at how long he's been and stuff, because I only really recognize some, like, the more modern stuff. And I'm like, holy mm -hmm. cow, he's been in this for, like, ever. <laughs> Including this. It, it's it's that feeling where you're doing research and you realize that, um... Oh, fuck. What's his name? 
Who's the Who's the guy who plays Lupin usually in the uh, Sunny like, Strength? Part two dub. What's it? No, no, the other one. Uh, Tony oh. Oliver. Thank you. Uh, what was it? Tony Oliver. Yeah, Tony Oliver. Yeah, it's like when you realize, like, wait, what do you mean Tony Oliver's in Robotech? What do you mean he's been doing this since the mid-80s? That's a, What? No. Now, I don't believe you. Now, see, that didn't surprise me too much, but only because I remember watching the Grimm's Fairy Tale Japanese show that aired on mm -hmm. Nick Jr. back in the 90s, and I distinctly remember mm -hmm. his name was, like, it was him and um, uh, Hayam Sabam were the only two credits in the front, and I'm like, I've been watching <laughs> Tony Oliver since the 90s. Oh boy! Credit credit watching always lets you know how long some of these people have been here. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Farah Von Dorothy, who, despite her name, is from Hong Kong. Apparently, uh, she's brunette and she's attractive. Those are yeah. Uh, she is played by Joan Carol O'Connell, who uh, may know for such roles as Yukari in Doomed Megapolis. Uh, Claire de Cagliostro in the streamlined version of Castle Cagliostro, and she's the narrator in the Fantastic Adventures of Unico. Cool. That's not a whole lot to list there, but considering uh, how important that movie is, I'm glad that you mentioned that. It, it's, I think I think it might be the only other... Well, I've seen the streamlined version of Cagliostro, but like that, that is also one of the few things I think I've seen her in. She's still acting today, apparently, under her uh, her birth name, which is J.C. Henning. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, she has a bunch of IMDb credits. They're mostly like live-action shorts-type stuff, but like she's still around. She's doing stuff. Yeah, like you were saying, this is you know union actors, and a lot of them are still right. active in the business. They're still kicking. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Dr. Harris Mead. He's an old doctor guy. Uh, he tries to pet a cat at one point, and it goes badly. <laughs> hey, hey, we never see if the cat was the one who actually killed him. But but we can we probably assume. Pretty much. Uh, and he is being played by Cliff Wells, uh, who is in such roles as he's Dr. Nishimura in Doom Megapolis. He is Patrick O'Ryan in uh, the dub for Farewell to Space Battleship Yamato. And are you, are you sitting down? Are you ready for this? No, let me get ready. <sighs> okay. Right. He is Master Roshi, not in the Funimation dub, not in the Ocean dub, but in the, like, aborted <gasps> Harmony Gold dub of Dragon Ball. <laughs> oh, the real, yes. like, the one that had, like, Wendy Lee as Bulma, that one. Yeah, yep, the one that was, like, two two movies kind of melded together and every, a bunch of people had name changes and didn't go anywhere. Uh, nah. uh, do, you think, do you think in another timeline we could have had Barbara Goodson's Goku? <laughs> I know, right? Dude, we, we were not good enough for that. We don't deserve Barbara Goodson as Goku. We really don't. More pity us. We gotta sacrifice a few more goats before we can do get, get to that level. Uh, next up, we have Morgan W. Scott. He's American. <laughs> How American <laughs> is he? Uh, he's so American in the dub, they just make him Floridian. <laughs> it it kind of delights uh, me to know that even in the mid-90s, the concept of Florida Man existed well enough that they felt they could just make that change and run with it. Oh, I was wondering where you were going with Florida Floridian, because the voice didn't quite sound Floridian, but when you mentioned the attitude, the actions... Yeah, yeah. No, they, they, he, he, said, he says he has, like, a gator farm in Florida. <laughs> yeah, but the voice didn't really pick, like, I, I couldn't honestly tell if that was legitimate or if he was, uh, you know, just like... Being a smartass? Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Who can say? Certainly not him, because he kicks the bucket first. Yep, no, he, he, the big, the big Schwarzenegger-looking guy takes the, for, dies first. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of movie. Uh, and he is being played by Kerrigan Mahan. Uh, he is in a bunch of stuff. He is Kimball Kinnison in Lensman, a 
movie that we would uh, love to cover one day and are probably never going to, sadly. <laughs> so, uh, he is he is Sean Phillips in Robotech. He is Zidaki, which is what they called Yamcha in that Harmony Gold Dragon Ball dub I was talking about earlier. <laughs> That's not what you know him from. You know him because he's Goldar in Power Rangers. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Just, mm-hmm. I, I never watched Power Rangers as a kid. Does that make me a bad person? Uh, no, it just... Did you... I, it's not important. I, it's, it was one of those things we were not allowed to watch, you know? Like, I'm sure there were, like, parent activist groups that said... Oh, I, it has kicking in it. Y- yeah, that's basically it. People might hurt themselves on the playground imitating it. <laughs> yeah, and they're beating up monsters. Nobody wants their kids to imitate that. Mm. Exactly. Uh, next up, we have a bunch of miscellaneous crew guys. Uh, they don't have a lot of characterization. We have Walt. He's blonde. We have Dular. He's old. We have Watt. He wears a vest and looks a little like Han Solo. And we have Guy, who's a big black dude. <laughs> the one black guy. They all bite in within about the first 20 minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is which is a shame. It's, it's a shame, actually. I think they, they get a lot of personality for, for as little screen time as they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walt is being played by Richard Kensino, who, uh, among other things, he's Takashi uh, Kamawara in Prince of Tennis. Uh, he is apparently just a metric shit ton of minor characters in, like, Lupin the Third Part 2 and Part 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also Legato in Trigun. Yep. Oh, oh yeah, he was Legato. I almost forgot yep. about that. <laughs> uh, Dular is being played by Steve Kramer, another actual regular of the podcast who shows up periodically. Uh, Steve, you know, he's, he's Axel Thurston in Eureka 7, he's Goemon in most of the streamlined dubs of Lupin. Oh no, not Mystery of Mamo for some reason. He's in it, he just doesn't play Goemon, and I have no idea why. But, but, I really want to know why. But which version, though? Because there's four different dubs of that movie. It, he's in, he's in, he is in the streamlined dub of Mystery of Mamo, but he does not play Goemon, the character he plays in all the other streamlined dubs of Lupin. Considering that was the first one, and I know the movie... That was the last one. Mr. Amamo? I think... Yeah, I think Cagliostro was the first one they dubbed. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I meant um, uh, in order of production, like on the yes. Japanese side, not... Uh... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, so... The, but they dubbed Mr. Amamo after they the dub- other Lupin they stuff? Dub- they did They did Cagliostro first, then they did the two Hayao Miyazaki uh, TV episodes that they put out on video, and then they did Mamo. That was, like, the last one they did. Huh. That's weird. I know, right? I, I guess they were trying to get all the Miyazaki stuff in on the, you know, the hype of uh, stuff like Kiki's. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I, I guess they I, wanted I, to get Cavaliers here out to theaters or something. So my, they did that my, first. My, my, my dude, I'm going to be very honest with you. Based on, like, Carl Masick really liked Hayao Miyazaki. I wouldn't be surprised if he started streamlining in part because, like, people need to see these movies. He was right. He was absolutely right. He, he was completely correct. Like they, he, I think he was. I think if he had, his, if he, if they had lasted longer, he probably would have made try to get more of them over here. It probably uh, would. Probably would. I'm wondering though if he would have um, kept with the Disney standard of not dubbing the non Miyazaki movies. Like, would his company have also refused to direct stuff like Only Yesterday or uh, Grave of the Fireflies? Like. Based, from what I can t- from what I can tell, I, I get the impression a lot of their selection was basically like, how well can we market this? So it probably depends on do we think there's an audience for this that won't we want to take a wash on? So there's the question. That's yeah. I mean, I don't blame them for not uh, trying to market those other uh, Ghibli movies for a while. Which so I'm really glad G Kids finally did that though. So thank you guys mm-hmm. for doing that. Absolutely. Uh, 
where was I? Uh, Watt is being played by Steve Mullen. Uh, he is Daisuke Jigen and all the streamlined dubs of Lupin. He is Crying Freeman himself in Crying Freeman. Gets to be shirtless and weep and murder a lot of people. <laughs> sexy and erotic in a horribly masculine and cruel way. Uh, I vaguely remember Crying Freeman. Uh, and, and, and for things I care about, he's Professor Go Gakujin in Giant Robo, my favorite piece of giant robot nonsense. Really? I love Giant Robo. Yes. Are you, that he plays a character, or that that's my favorite? Uh, that that's your favorite. Like you know, we're, we're in an era where you've got stuff like uh, you know, Gurren Lagann and Kill la Kill, and I mean, Kill, Kill la Kill's not a robot show, though. Are you yeah, sure? But you, you see, in all of those shows, the pilots sit inside the robot like cowards. The kid in Giant Robo is just hanging off it off a, off a ladder. Oh, really? Yeah, no, he's just he's just hanging out there. I haven't seen. I, I'm gonna. Add, I have that on the two watch list, but. What, watch watch the giant robo OVAs from the eighties. They're great. Anyways, <laughs> um, and then we have guy who's played by Russell Case, uh, who didn't have a very long career as far as I can tell, unless this is a pseudonym for a different actor. Uh, he, the main thing I can find is that he plays the main character superior in a lot of miscellaneous voices in Megazone twenty three and kind of like you know Walla stuff pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to talk about him in depth here, but there's also a brief appearance by a manager from this company funding this research trip, and that is being played by Tom Weiner. But he only has about three lines, so. But they're important lines, except we don't get yeah, to yeah. hear half of them. I mean, I mean, exactly. I mean, babe, it's always cool to talk about Tom Weiner. No, Tom Weiner's good. He's just not in this very long. Anyways. So, now that we've uh, so, gone over so who's in the movie... Yeah, that, that's the that's the entire cast. So, gentlemen, let what do we think of the dub for Lily Cat? Uh, yeah, uh, gonna be gonna be like my expectations weren't like particularly high because I figured okay, like old like eighties OBA, this is probably gonna be like it's, it's probably gonna be like maybe okay at best, probably like pretty solid sounding. But to my surprise, I actually thought this dub sounded pretty good. Like I was really surprised. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, like well, like a lot of performances felt like pretty natural or like maybe a handful of lines i was like particularly iffy about like i think the stuff is actually aids surprisingly well really yeah like i i enjoyed this i mean part of that's also i think i think we talked in the past about dubs that are trying to aim a, a like they're aiming for a specific style on purpose mm-hmm and I, I don't think that's what's happening here, but it by whether intentionally or by accident, it does actually sound like, like it's so, it sounds like a straight to video like sci fi action movie from the eighties. Yeah, uh, so like, it, I, like yeah, so, yeah, like it, yeah, like honestly, it doesn't even sound like a dub. It just sounds like it's the movie. Yeah, like yeah, I feel like you could put this on in the background, and if you ask someone like, "Is this a cartoon or live action?" I don't know if they'd be able to answer that with a lot of confidence. Now, see, I think a, a good thing that helps with that is the mixing on this, because one mm. one effect that they add to a lot of the dubbed voices is echo effect. They want to really emphasize the, we're in a metal spaceship, so they add a whole lot of reverb and echo to give you the sense that they're inside the spaceship, which I was not mm-hmm. expecting them to do. So I think that, that, that uh, adds to the believability of, you know, we're out in the middle of space that... Again, I I also was not quite expecting because I, I kind of thought that they do just kind of a mediocre job that wouldn't capture that sense of ambiance so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I I I, I did a pretty like you know it's it's a it's a seventy plus minute OVA and 
as we'll talk about later, this is not like a high-profile release for Streamline or anything, but there's a, there's a there's more care put into this than I was expecting. Um, just I mean, just kind of based on like the reputations that dubs from this era tend to have. Like I I know you know the the cliche line is that anything prior to Cowboy Bebop is largely worthless, and it's only after that things start getting good, which is not true at all. You know, generalization, obviously, but I feel yeah. like even for then, I think there there is a sense that even when things are like pretty solid, they're a little cheap, and this this doesn't feel cheap necessarily. It feels like they they did put care and effort into it. Well, what's surprising is that this clearly wasn't going to get a theatrical release or a television no. broadcast, so they were making this. It did. Or, I'm what? It this was regularly on the Sci-Fi Channel back oh, in the day. Oh, of course it, it was. was. Edi- it was. Of it was edited it was. a little bit, mind you. Like. It was edited, but, like, this this was definitely something that Sci-Fi ran on, like, Saturday mornings back in the day. Wait, wait, Saturday oh, cool. morning? Like, or did you, did you, uh, did you, I guess you, uh, did you never catch, like, uh, Sci-Fi's, like, old Saturday morning anime block? No, I did No, I was watching one Saturday morning with my Captain Crunch yeah. and Milk. I didn't watch Sci-Fi. No, I, I, I would watch it periodically. They'd show, like, anime and, like, Ralph Bakshi movies. That's the first time I, that's the first time I saw Wizard was, like, show, sci-fi was showing it. You can't show Wizards on Saturday morning. There's tits in it. I, I like, as far as I know, Lilycat, I'm assuming these are all edited a little for content. Although Wizards did have that line about son of a bitch in it. I do remember that because someone <laughs> swore on television. And that blew my mind. Somebody wasn't paying <laughs> attention at the censor board. I'll give the and I'll give Lily Cat. You this. can say "son of a bitch" on basic cable. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Lily Cat has, uh, I believe, one shot of exposed breasts, and it's mm-hmm. like a med- medical examination that uh, mm-hmm. Farah is having. Which is uh, the one thing I remember about uh, JC's performance in that because she dies by sex moan, like when she's we see her on the examination table trying to figure out if she's been infected with this virus, and then we see oh she's about to die, and it's like. Hentai moaning before cutting away from that scene. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, I like that. I, I, I like that scene because it's very obvious while making the movie, one of the producers is like, there's not enough tits in this. Put some tits in it. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, sh- fine. She's not wearing a shirt anymore. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> the requisite. Such a weirdo. We're, tr- we're trying to make a dignified, violent action movie here, and here you are going on about boobs. Ugh. Producers. Well, the, I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, if you got to see the sub, but there's one line early in the movie where uh, the cat, the, I'm sorry, the doctor character is talking mm-hmm. about the cat, is talking about Nancy's cat, and he says mm-hmm. the line, you better not touch her pussy cat, and you get the <laughs> sense that that, that that was adjusted just a little bit from the original, like, the original was just, you know, don't mess with her cat, but throwing mm-hmm. in pussy cat is kind of like, hmm, keep your hands mm-hmm. off the boss's daughter. I find that very believable. No, no, yeah, that's, yeah, that's another fun little line. Yeah, cause, like, the, the, like, the dub's pretty accurate to the Japanese. It does punch up the dialogue a little bit here and there, but, like, beat for beat, it's pretty similar. So I I, I, I think that's probably an adjustment they made, because they thought, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> what little wink yeah, of the audience. Wink, you, you, wink. you know, gotta do it at least once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to, but... I'm glad they did because it gave us something to talk about. But yeah, aside from that, there's not yeah there's not uh, stuff that feels like adjusted for the modern audience or uh, something that's a pop culture reference, and nothing that mm-hmm. makes the plot confusing. Like I didn't give any mm-hmm. difficulty understanding uh, why they're on this mission, why they are uh, in danger from this virus, and the ultimate resolution of the movie, which is you know. The cast is being picked off, not by an alien exactly, but by 
the company themselves because it's, hey, expendable people, let's do robots, they're way cheaper. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, literally, it's like, why do we have to pay people? We can just have a robot do it. <laughs> so, uh, so your line earlier about uh, space is the one place safe from capitalism? No, it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, fun times. So I'm trying to think of like uh, any other standout performances. Um, yeah. Uh, just to briefly talk on Walt and Dular's uh, actors, both uh, Richard and Steve, uh, they died brilliantly, just absolutely brilliantly. <laughs> <laughs> They got total recalled. Great. <laughs> um, yep, yep, yep. I thought they did pretty fine for like the amount of screen time they had. It's interesting you mentioned total recall because I, I honestly, the one thing I did write is that if I was directing this, I would have made them go a little more over the top with the dying in death, breath of space kind of like sound effects. But the camera doesn't linger on their faces very long, just enough hmm. to be horrifying. So I think that's why they. They scaled it back just a little bit in the dub. Yeah, I said, oh yeah, I would say of like the early death, the one that was probably like the most like mildly disturbing, probably went to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, to and uh, to his credit, Cliff Wells uh, played that pretty well, and I and I think he also did like pretty well with the like build up to it. Yeah. It's <laughs> where where like you know he's the one like investigating things he like notices. Oh, there's like this weird, mysterious bacteria on the ship. We should probably look into that. Yeah, I, I, I comparing like you know comparing this again to a B movie. Like a lot of these characters aren't super sketched out, but I do think the there there there's enough there that the actors are able to latch on to something. Like you know, Jimmy's some shrimpy redheaded dude who at one point complains about how like I didn't commit any crimes. This asshole, the same, almost the same name as me, committed them. <laughs> it's oh, his oh. fault. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I actually did like Michael Zorkis Dippy a lot. I, I especially like that whole conversation he like has with the captain where he's like revealing why, why he got on this ship in the first place. And, so, and it's like, oh, you know, like no one at work ever thought I could do anything. My boss has always complained about me. So, uh, mm -hmm. like, so when they offered this thing and, like, nobody wanted to do it because, like, why would anyone want to do this? I said, you know what? I'm going to volunteer and prove everybody wrong. And he's like, you know, in hindsight, this is probably a bad idea, but, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and even before, uh, even without the, um, the virus killing people thing, going on a 40-year mission just to get some, like, samples from a distant planet is always a bad idea. Yep. This is... I did it. I did it to impress my boss, who will probably be retired or dead by the time I get back, and who will still be making money off of my ass. This was a terrible idea. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? <laughs> see, see uh... this, this movie is peppered with a whole lot of those uh, like little philosophical questions. You have Jimmy's whole thing about you know uh, not being able to get ahead in work, so he does a stupid thing to try to get there. Not a good idea. And then we have. The, uh, probably the most memorable part, which is um, the captain's spiel about what it's like to basically be frozen in time and everyone that you knew when you were young is dead and you don't exist to anyone anymore. You're an anomaly. That's, uh, 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 oh, yeah. So I was, yeah, I was trying not to talk about him right away, but honestly, like, Michael Reynolds' best performance in this movie, hands down. Dobbs, it, I, it, if if it weren't for the fact that he doesn't make it to the the last frame, I would have put him first. Like he's basically the main character for most of the movie. He is. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. He he's not sexy, so he doesn't get beyond the cover. He, well, well, okay, I take that back. He he's damn good looking. I'll give you that. But he's he's not blonde and he's not he's not hero. So 
But they should have put him on the cover. He's not beefy enough. Yeah, I really did like Michael Reynolds' performance as of this very clearly world-weary guy. He's like, that's uh, clearly seen a lot and is just kind of like very tired of just putting up with people's stuff. Yeah, no, he, like that, that whole monologue where he talked, you know, I'm technically I'm like 184 and this, you know, I thought the scene great at first and then like it, my, my son just grew up without me and he's dead now and what, what am I even living for at this point? Uh, yeah, like he, he gets a for a dude I mostly know from, like, a kid's show, like, Michael really gets to show <laughs> off some chops here. Like, he's really good. Yeah, and his whole... Now, I, I, I want to, like, track down other things he has been in now. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, really. Well, what gets me also is that his... He's mumbled a lot of the time. Throughout the movie, Michael is kind of, like, mumbling his dialogue to convey that sense of, um, you know... I'm too old for this shit, which he literally says in the movie. But it, yep. <laughs> but it's not like he doesn't care about his crew because even when things are going badly and people are are dying, he, he's like he shouts, he yells, he has urgency in his voice. So that's uh, he's got definitely a wide amount of range, more so than any of the other characters. So I definitely say that Michael is the best performance because he's just given the most to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he, he he definitely benefits from probably having the most fleshed out character in the movie, and he nails it. Like, he's really good. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a question for you guys. Mm -hmm. Can you adjust the encyclopedia on Anime News Network? Yes. Okay, well... Uh, it's, I, it, it's easier to add things than to change things, but you can. Okay, well, somebody who has the ability needs to go into this movie's... Oh, yeah, they, they, yeah they, they swap two of the characters. That's Yes, I, I, I got confused early on because various places list the... It's, it's uh, Steve and Kerrigan's characters, right? Yes, those are mixed up, and I'm glad that you yeah. referenced the actual movie and not the online credits because that is mixed well, up. I sh I should point out everything is a guess. The the movie just does that thing where everyone's just in a big list. Yeah, yeah. It's more. It's I. I, mean, I got this off someone on behind the voice actors, where for all the flaws that site has, a fair number of people on there are at least good at picking out voices. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go with this one for now. So there's that. Just, but I, yeah. I also wanted to uh, call out um, Russell Case's character. Is he's called Guy in the movie. They don't call him. <laughs> they don't call him guy. They call him black crew member on ANN. Uh, whoever whoever did the cast for that one was asleep at the wheel that day. Shame on you, sir or madam. I mean, two, okay. Tisk, tisk. I am not. I'm not going to throw a ton of shade at the one anime person who had the devotion to transcribe the credits for Lily Cat of all things, an '80s OVA for with a '90s dub. But yes, I am going to throw shade at them for getting those two characters mixed up and not putting Guy's name on the cast list. Tisk tisk. You can do better, people. Yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on, we have higher expectations. Try, try. It, the movie's only 70 minutes. They say his name in the first, like, 10. Come on, guys. Come on. But now that we've set that, yeah. some, somebody go change that. Um, yes. to, to give credit to Russell, uh, though, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a fine enough voice no one in this cast is i think bad like no one is hammy and over the top or wooden and unbelievable because we have a wide variety of both ages and nations and backgrounds in the cast and you get that variety in all their voices yeah. so yeah russell uh, case is good oh uh, yeah oh uh, yeah a lot of performances work even the ones that you think would not work uh, is i uh case in point 
Uh, oh, God, uh, God, why have I lost the name already? Oh. <clears throat> oh, uh, there we go. Uh, Gregory Snickoff is Dick Berry. Like, you, th- <laughs> you, you would think this dude doing an Australian accent for the entire movie just, like, would not work. Would just absolutely be too silly to stick out the entire thing. But he makes it work. It's... I mean, we had a bit of a, an Australian craze in the early 90s. That's why we got, like, Crocodile Dundee and we had the uh, the Rescuers Down Under movie. So I'm just assuming that Greg was just really into his Australian phase, and that's why they cast him to do that for this movie. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, really. but yeah, he does a really good job. This, like, this, like very, very mean cop. I wouldn't say, is yeah. it mean? Yeah, yeah it is. Okay, well, he's not like super mean, but he is just kind of, but he is kind of like the most clear jerk out of the crew and, yeah. and like very openly suspicious of everyone. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking of the bit where they're like, they're like, you know, trying to figure out the imposter is, so they're like asking people to like, you know, list off, you know, personal information that they only they would know, and he's like giving Dorothy grief for apparently having like a kid already and stuff. Yeah, uh, or like a kid out of you know, it's it's just like he's just he's kind of just casually jerk to people, possible possibly to throw them off their guard so he can figure out who he's supposed to arrest. I mean, if, I'm sorry, but when you were born with that mustache, you don't really have a whole lot of options in life. You're going to be a bit of a jerk. Dude, are we assuming that he just came out of the womb with that on? Yes, yes, he was. He, his dad had that, so he was born with it. His mom never taught him how to shave, and the kids made fun of him. And that's how he grew up to be like this. Australia's merciless, man. Have you seen Bluey? The kids are, are monsters. You, you will all grow up to be like that. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, I really like that performance uh, had the right level of just a uh, kind of but well not like super sty but a little sty bit of sty-ness to it and then and, and, like kind of and i thought he had like some pretty good interactions with hero like towards the movie and, uh, where, and where, where he does kind of like sympathize with the circumstances a bit but it's also kind of annoying because uh, he was apparently <laughs> on the case uh with hero's sister and when that's when he tried to arrest the syndicate that killed his sister but hero killed them first so that kind of like screwed up his whole job and he's bitter about that and i'm yep. guessing that and i'm guessing that's a real reason he decided to chase them all the way in space oh i think i think he's he's kind of he's just kind of ticked off yeah definitely <laughs> no, no. it's like i spent i spent i we spent three years trying to build a case against them and it fell apart because you had to shoot three of them you jerk i'm, I'm hauling you off to jail even if i have to be a hundred years old <laughs> Uh, it, uh, and there, there is no cop character in either Alien or The Thing. There, in, in Alien, there is the, I mean, there's the robot, which we find out is um, uh, working for the, th- this also has the big corporation sent a robot to go do dirty business on the side. That's where that comes from. Okay. Um, not really in The Thing, other than just everyone's really paranoid. Yeah, so. The- <laughs> and Wilford, and Wilford Brimley loses his mind. And that's when he started selling life insurance. <laughs> so, so look, you haven't, you haven't, you haven't lived until you've seen Wilford Brimley uh, destroying a, one of those big computer banks with an ass screaming about it. Didn't want to be the dog; it wanted to be us. <laughs> yeah, I should add that to the Halloween playlist coming up this week. 
absolutely don't do, make sure the kids are asleep oh oh yes absolutely we we started watching all the halloween movies yesterday um but we kept it to the kid-friendly ones so we're saving the, good good well except for we did watch nightmare on elm street but the kids were fine with it <laughs> okay nothing bad happens in that movie yeah Is it, uh, yeah um i guess uh terms of other cast members i did like uh julia madaleta's nancy admittedly i didn't recognize her because i'm me neither i mean I've, I mean I've heard her in other things but i usually heard her play like happy anime girls and this is like yep. decidedly a little more mature than that so i guess that kind of threw me off a bit yeah, yeah if you, i mean if, if you told me this lady played the tachikoma i'd be surprised like really yeah yeah this is the same uh woman who's i i'm also familiar with her stuff like ray earth and chobits and um mm-hmm. love hina and she always does her high school voice and i think we even noted in when we talked about Chobits years ago that she was uh, on her older side when she voiced that character um and in this movie she gets to play what i'm assuming was like closer to her natural voice at the time so that's why mm-hmm. it just it sounds different from her teenager voices uh but i do mm-hmm. like that she she pertains the the sassy attitude of the boss's daughter like to the point that she <laughs> she is uh you know it's all about the cat and um giving other people grief for not taking this mission seriously enough or uh, near the end of the movie when we find out why she got on this mission in the first place. So it's mm-hmm. obviously we need a requisite uh, blonde woman to survive to the end of the movie. Like what movie do you think you're watching? But uh, I think there's just enough nuance in Julie's performance that she's not just like a wall ornament. Like she has just enough character in the whole thing to make her stand out from the other uh, female characters, or actually all the other characters who are on the ship. Uh, um, yeah, 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 I think she has, like, a, I think she bounces off a lot of the other characters really well, and that kind of adds to the performance a bit. Mm. Although, uh, I, it, too, I, I question, too, like, how was she one of the two who survived to the end? Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm there, I guessing maybe just because she was the one who owned the cat. That's, that. I mean, I mean, I guess if they weren't going to kill her off first, she had to survive the end of the movie. She, she also made she also made the very wise decision to not leave the group. Because leaving the group is how you get killed in these movies. That is true. Anyone is that you know? That's a proper way you play them. That's a right way you play them. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if Harry Dean Stanton, if Harry Dean Stanton had just stayed with the rest of the group, he would have made it to the end of Alien. That's all I'm saying. Basic facts. And if the teenagers hadn't had sex in every horror movie, then they also would have survived to the end. Well, then they would have seen the giant hulking waterlogged zombie coming to kill them, yeah. <laughs> they would have seen Jason come out of the water. Oh. You know who uh, who seemed like they are having a lot of fun in this movie? Uh, I can guess who, but who, who are you going to say? Uh, big, hulking, Floridian muscle man. Uh, <laughs> so yeah it, yeah I, I i was sad honestly when morgan died it i mean i, I, I assumed we were i assumed he was gonna have a shootout with the monster yeah yeah, yeah 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 i, yeah, I, I actually, thought it, actually thought that guy was gonna last longer well i didn't think it was gonna last longer i, I just thought his death was gonna be more triumphant instead of frozen to death by liquid nitrogen like come on that's a that's a punk ass way to go out we yeah we th- we thought he was gonna have a big action scene and instead his uh you know his job is the same as you know 
We need to establish that this this new race of aliens on Star Trek are physically threatening. Let's have them beat up Worf. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, specific, yeah specifically disappointed that like they literally had him like leave his god right before he died. <laughs> that was also a bad idea. Although I I can't imagine uh, what like what company is going to send off astronauts essentially and say yeah you can bring your gun with you. I mean I mean the same was that said he could bring the cat so. Well, it's the that's the boss's daughter. Like, you got to give her that one. But if the boss's daughter had said, "I want to bring an AK-47 along," I think we would have had a few questions first. I think you're underestimating how much power the boss's daughter has. You know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. I, I think the cat and the gun. I mean, I mean, if you really think about it, the AK-47 does kind of make sense in hindsight because, again, the corporation was expecting all of them to die anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> But that's what, that's also the question, like, if the company was planning to kill them all to begin with, why did they let them take weapons along? Well, speed up the process? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, what are they going to do there in space? What are they going to do, like, turn back around? I mean, the worst they can do is turn back around. Shoot, shoot, shoot the vacuum of space to make it go away. Shoot the fire to put it out. Oh. I, I'm just saying that I think um, uh, I'm getting my credits mixed up. Uh, Kerrigan had a lot of fun because he's just, it's like almost a parody of that kind of like oh, yeah. Southern American voice. Like I, I, I didn't catch Florida. I thought like more Texas, but yeah, Florida mm-hmm. and like the Southern part of the country that like that totally makes sense with the way he's delivering his dialogue. No, they, they, I think there's, there's very, there's very much a sense of like this is a really specific kind of like macho American guy, and you can tell Kerrigan's having a lot of fun playing him. Although you watched the, um, the sub too, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what was yeah. the, uh, what do you feel like was the, um, the stereotype in the Japanese? I mean, I think he, they're still go. I mean, he's still supposed to be kind of like a, I, I feel like you know, beefy action, st- you know, like a, a Stallone, Schwarzenegger sort of type. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not American specific. Definitely like a white blonde dude, though. Well, obviously, like that's cl- that's clear. That's clear. Like they're clearly going for like you know a guy who would star in like you know a shitty straight to video action movie made by like you know Canon or somebody. <laughs> yeah, those are the best. <laughs> we don't make those anymore. We need to bring those back. That's what's going wrong with this country, with the whole world. No, they still make this. I haven't seen that. Oh wait, are they just like buried on like? Uh, to be TV and like you can't find them because there's too much other stuff. Yeah, more or less. Or the, yeah, they're straight to vi- they're like literally straight to video or straight to DVD type stuff. A lot of lot of five dollar Walmart bin type movies. Ah, that that would explain yeah. it then. There's too many movies. If you're if you're if you're if you're in the know, they're easy to find, and if you're not, it's impossible. We were watching. We were looking for a horror, not a horror movie. We were, we were looking for like a survival movie in the depths of streaming last night, and we came Oof. across one that was like about volcanoes. It wasn't Dante's Peak. It wasn't Volcano. It was like a movie with like really bad CGI lava to the point that the mm. first death is a guy accidentally steps in lava and it's like three frames of him, the rest of his body falling into it and disintegrating. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. So on a random side, I just want to say to anyone still watching to listen to this podcast, Congratulations! In the amount of time you listened to this, you could have actually just watched the movie instead. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> uh, I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't think. I didn't think we'd go longer than the movie. I guess uh, I was wrong. 
Ah, oh, man, ah, oh, man, you, you, th- this is us we're talking about, and we still haven't That's talked fair. about the final character yet. Oh yeah, uh, Bob Bergen is hero. Um, uh, this one was this one was interesting because, like, having seen the Cagliostro dub and his Lupin, this did sound like a somewhat more subdued version of that, which I thought was pretty interesting. It definitely is. Yeah, he's, no, he's he's got he's got a very anti-heroic tone to his voice. I don't. I, there's like a character type here that I can't quite put my finger on that he's 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 nailing. But yeah, like. I did bad things for good reasons. Oh, uh, yeah, the broody anime boy before we had the broody anime boy boys. There we go. Yeah, sm- <laughs> the, smold- the smoldering shonen protagonist or whatever. Honestly, the, the equivalent, I don't know if this is what you're thinking of, but it kind of reminds me of the misanthropic high school teenage girl that is in all of John Hughes's movies from the 80s. I, I yep, no, I see it. I see it. He's he's Ali Sheedy in the Breakfast Club. Yep, yep, yeah. there we go. And there's just uh and i do hear the lupin voice in there a bit uh because he's he's the most like youthful be in ish sounding of the characters like i think jimmy's supposed to be a bit younger but hero's definitely got that like not old gruff man voice to him but he never mm-hmm. but he always speaks his lines with like clear diction and dialogue and he never gets flustered or over exagger ex- exasperated even at the end of the movie when they're they're basically rocketing down to their new planet, Trigun style. He still keeps his mm-hmm. cool throughout him. Yep. Even even the monsters on the outside, like warping into their friends and screaming to let them in. Oh, is, is, oh okay, yeah, that was actually probably the most disturbing thing in the whole movie. Mostly because I was not expecting it. Mostly because I was not expecting the screams. So for a second, I was like, wait, what the heck is that? <laughs> Yeah, so if you, if you were watching, if you were gonna watch this movie, like, and you were disappointed there wasn't like enough uh, uh, John Carpenter-ish horror or uh, Cronenberg-style monsters in there, rest assured the monster does get that creepy near the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Last question I kind of had was, um, did I misread the credits? Um, but was Hero's original name Jiro in the Japanese? I, I think there's a typo floating around. Yeah, okay. probably. Because I, I think his name, I think his name's supposed to be Hero. Okay, I mean it, it fits in the dub that that just happens to you know be a synonym for Hero, but yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they changed that one letter, like like just just as, to make as, it a little as, more. As, I, as, I mean, Hero is not an exactly uncommon Japanese name, so uh... true. True. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I think Lily, as I mentioned, Lily Cat was not a very high profile release, and I don't think it's ever really been. And consequently, I think some of the online information on it's a little sloppily made. Good point. Because you know, it's it's not it's not like you know, it's not like there's an official an old official website for Lily Cat you can go look at. It's just no. shit people put on wikis. So. And it's not like there's a um, a um, Mike Tool commentary with the DVD release to clear up any of this I, information for I, us. I actually, I, I actually looked on uh, the A and M page to see like, oh, has this shown up in a Mike Tool? at some point not as far as i can yeah, uh, you know, at oh uh, uh, one random thing i have to add since you have seen this uh um uh, 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 did they actually dub the ending song of the movie or was it just always in english no that's just an that's just i think that's just in english that's just in english on both versions yeah that, that makes yeah. sense the, the uh, I, I, I mean i guess this is one of the things i was curious about because this is old enough where like you know they did dub openings sometimes back then so maybe 
<laughs> no, I believe this. I believe that the woman who's doing that, I think, was somebody signed. To, I want to say. I, I want to say it's Victor, but I could be wrong. She signed to the record label that like put up the money for this movie. Uh, it's not quite a. You know, it's not a. It's not. It doesn't exist to promote her career, but clearly they intentionally picked like someone from their own roster to do the ending, the big sweeping ending ballad. And when they and when she wrote that ending ballad, when she wrote "Listening to the Angels," clearly the imagery she had on in her mind was chains just kind of swinging in front of the screen for for five minutes oh now they're not chains they're the handcuffs he was wearing <laughs> but whatever. distinct difference <laughs> <laughs> just look it was an easy to animate shot just loop that bastard over and over again yep, <laughs> run 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 until credits over then drop <laughs> easy well so yeah and uh yeah that that's our halloween quota for this year yeah Yay. yeah Come back next year for other spooky garbage. <laughs> Maybe something a little, little more popular, but I, I gotta admit, uh, to give final thoughts, I was glad that we picked this as the thing to watch, because there's just not really an incentive to kind of hunt this stuff down in your free time, um, and you kind of have to force, I won't say force yourself, but you, you gotta give yourself incentive to watch it, and it's good mm -hmm. because you find hidden gems like this that maybe isn't the greatest of that the 80s had to offer, but it is a good encapsulation of why the OVA market exploded so much in Japan. You know, this was a time where you could make anything without broadcast standards, um, and you could get good staff to do what good animation on it. And luckily, we also had a really good dub that came out of it. It just happened to be brought in by the one company who was bringing the stuff over in 1994. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but I'm really glad I got to watch this. I mean, I don't... I mean, I feel like I don't get enough excuses to watch older stuff like this, so I'm really glad I got the opportunity. I had, I had more fun with this than I was expecting. It was a pretty good bit of horror, uh, some surprisingly interesting capitalism commentary that I would <laughs> not expect from this old 80s thing. And, so, and, and yeah, the dub was uh, really solid, which again, uh, really surprised for something that's old, but, uh, yeah, I really liked the dub, I liked a lot of the cast, um, it's, uh, especially, uh, Michael Reynolds, it's really good performance there, and, uh, yeah, on the whole, this is definitely, like, a, I would say, that's a, this is a really fun thing to put on for 90 minutes, it's a pretty good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this, this surprised me, you know, I, it's, uh, as, as I mentioned, this was not, as I found out, kind of just looking into this, this is not a very high-profile movie. Um, in that same series of Fred Patton articles, he like pulls like reviews. He basically kept on file because they made a note of like anytime one of their one of a streamlined release would get reviewed, he'd like you know clip it out and keep it. Uh, Lily Cat has one. It's from some magazine called Sci-Fi Universe, which from what I can tell was like a, a sci-fi you know interest magazine that Larry Flint published of all people. Uh, and they review in it, which is hmm. finally an old anime flick, 1987 theatrical release in Japan. That is wrong. <laughs> so, you know, uh, that's legal available and dubbed thanks to American anime guru Carl Masick, an almost blatant ripoff of Alien, blue collar spacers screwed over by both the company that hired them and a slimy beastie with wicked teeth. Lily Cat still churns up a few good scares. Based on sort of non, you know, sort of amateur reviews I could find more recently, this is extremely nice. The, this this is a terrible reputation apparently. Like a lot, a lot of one-star reviews from people, which I'm kind of surprised by. This, this, this feels a little too confidently made to get that that bad reputation. The, the um, yeah, the image I got from also doing that down the rabbit hole. What do people think of this? Is just that 
it's not that they dislike it on its own, it's just that it's not as good as everything else that was being made in the same time period. Yeah, this feels like a movie that it's a lot easier to be generous to if you already, like, enjoy watching a lot of stuff that are kind of obvious knockoffs of better movies. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of part of the fun of, like, oh, it's it's alien, but it's animated, and it stars the thing, and... <laughs> that that's a that's a positive rather than a negative and if you don't if you can't view it that way then you're not really going to enjoy yourself but it will definitely i do think it will scare you though if you if you go to it without watching this podcast which why would you do that you probably will be freaked out if you're just watching it all by yourself on your cathode ray tube television in 1995 yeah. okay i mean i mean i mean i wasn't particularly scared watching this but Okay, I mean, but in general, anime horror is not usually that scary. It kind of depends. The one question, the question, was this scarier than the Toys in the Attic episode of Cowboy Bebop? Yeah, I say, uh, I I would say, mm, probably not. I don't know, like, I mean, I mean, I don't know, like, the scary, I mean, I don't know, like, the scariest anime episode I watched recently was probably, like, the newest episode of the latest Digimon anime, which, yeah, that episode actually was pretty disturbing. To to Toys in the Attic benefits from only being about 20 minutes, and so it can be paced a lot tighter. Meanwhile, this is a lot longer, so there's more, you know, peak and lull going on. Good point. Um, yeah, this is, this is one of these weird things. This is, this is part of this, like, subset of horror that I kind of enjoy, where, like, I don't really think, I feel like you don't really watch them to be scared. It's it's more like, oh, this is a, this is a fun time, and it's it's kind of gloppy and a little violent and upsetting. Um, I, don't, I feel like people who enjoy, like, speaking of someone who enjoys this kind of thing, I usually don't go to them to actively be scared. It's more like, oh, there's going to be a lot of blood. Mm. Ooh, oh, they yanked a cat through a wall. That was gross. <laughs> yeah, where else are you going to get that? Poor cat. <laughs> oh, boy, that poor animal. So where, where can people watch this if they're curious for themselves this Halloween? Well, uh, if you want to watch this, it was put out by Discotheque on DVD in 2014. But as far as I can tell, that release is out of print. Mm. And I I would I would like to think that at some point in the future, this will be one of their older titles that they like get the license back, put it out on Blu-ray. I mean, I think I assume so, they must still have the license. Somebody's putting this up on streaming. Um, but it's not, it, I'm sure you can find copies out in the wild, but it's not readily available anymore. Um, but if you want to watch it on streaming, well, you have your pick. You can find it on Crunchyroll, uh, Retro Crush, Asian Crush, Amazon Prime, Midnight Pulp, and 2B TV. Yeah, I think it is worth doing it if you go to Crunchyroll, it is only there some only. That is, oh, no, it, the, the, the dub's on there, but I think you have to have an account to watch it. As I, and I uh, like, Crunchyroll was the first place I checked, and we had a subversion. Really? Yeah, I like the dub. I'm gonna check this I right watched, now. I watched, I, watched it th I watched it there myself. But how long ago was that? How many years ago was like, that? Uh, less than a month. Hmm. I, I, I know, like I know, like I literally checked right Crunchyroll yesterday, and I I only found it subversion. Maybe it was huh. typed differently. Like I see what you're saying. Like when you type the words "lily cat," what comes up is the subtitle version. But you know, there's uh there's a problem with the lily cat, or I'm sorry, there's a problem with Crunchyroll. Is that they don't know how to catalog anything. So there's a good chance that the dub is around no, here somewhere. It, it 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 is on here, but I think if you just type in Lily Cat, it takes you to the video for the subtitled version. Um, but I'm seeing it here, like it's on, it's their dub. But you do have to have like a premium account to watch it there. So if you're yeah, okay. So okay, so it's probably the case where the dub is on there, but actually finding it is just like maybe ridiculous because 
Crunchyroll Z-Y is terrible. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, who, it's one of those things where I think you have to find, like, the generic Lily Cat page, and it has the two videos on it kind of a thing. But, like, who is gatekeeping this, of all things? <laughs> I assume, I, 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 my guess is that they're probably sub-licensing it from somebody else, and that's the only reason it's behind the paywall. Fair enough. Uh... Yeah, that's. I'm assuming that's it. Oh boy, guys! Uh, I finally got my Crunchyroll Premium subscription, and the first thing we're gonna watch is the dub for Lily Cat. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> that's a very insensitive caricature for me, Circa Fifteen. How dare you? <laughs> but yes, it's it's like Mom was saying. It's readily available in multiple places, both yes, this wherever you want to find it. Yeah, not, not hard to find at all. It's on a pile of plethora. At worst, you might have to watch a couple of inconveniently placed ads. It's pretty simple. Um, and maybe you want to watch more of what we're watching. Well, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. Uh, we're on YouTube, which is probably where you're watching us now, but not guaranteed. Uh, we are also on Podbean and uh, your your Spotify's and your your iTunes, Apple Podcasts. I don't I never remember what Apple's podcast thing is called these days. And various other places. You can find us. Punch us into Google. You'll see there, uh, we are also on Twitter. Uh, we technically have a Tumblr, although I don't... I, 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 that thing hasn't been updated in years. Um, and uh, we have a Twitch channel where various members will stream periodically. I usually stream on Tuesdays. Um, currently, I am playing uh, the excellent uh, sort of vapor-wavy uh, visual novel detective game Paradise Killer. Uh, Jet, you are, you're streaming something now, yes? Uh, yeah, I am currently streaming Astral Chain. Yes. Uh, you don't stream, Noah, am I correct? What's a video game? Uh, fair. <clears throat> so, uh, you can watch us there. And we also have a Patreon, uh, if you would like to give us money. We also have a Kofi, and you're into the one-off thing, so you can find links for both of those below. Uh, but if you do sub to our Patreon, if you sub at, uh, uh, various levels, you will get your name read out on the show, which is what we're going to do right now. So, thank you to our $5 tier of Megan's Mom and Dad, Michelle Travis, Julia W., Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands, and Victor Mayberoda. And thank you also to our $10 tier, Anthony Brown, Carly Lestikow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, Marissa Lenti, and Otako Anthony. Thank you all for helping support what we do. Thank you guys so much. We hope you all have a spooky Halloween where you get candy and possibly beer if you're old enough for that. Indeed. Uh, gentlemen, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the Twitters at Divine Ninja, where I will uh, easily uh, be talking about uh, anime, cartoon, politics, or I guess apparently all of them if you're a Gundam person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Gundam has no <laughs> politics in it! <laughs> it uh, was totally apolitical before this new season came out. <laughs> Uh, uh, you can also find me on another podcast, Podcast ONA, where I will easily be talking about uh, anime news alongside fellow Dub Talk host Andrew. And then I sometimes uh, freelance right for AM, decades away. Good deal. And you, yeah. you can follow me on Twitter at NoahClue. Uh, that is the place where I have all discussions about animation from around the world. I will often pimp the uh, really old shorts, like this uh, amazing glass short called Inspiration, made by... I'm going to get his name right here because I wanted to give him a shout-out. Um, you don't have to know the name, but you should know because you need to be a better person. But if you want to know like really good old animation, this one guy uh, from like the Czech Republic 
like way long ago. He did uh, some really good stuff, including this. Where is it? I'm sorry, I had his name written down here somewhere. Da, 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 da. His name is. You can trim this part out here. Yes. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. Karel Zemin was his name. Uh, and he was doing work like back in the 40s, like really good stop motion stuff, experimental work in film that not a lot of people know about anymore. He like kind of paved the way for uh, special effects in movies as well. Like he was really big on blending special effects into live action stuff. So that's what I talk about on my Twitter account because no one could stop me. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at AmonDuelUS. Duel has two U's in it. I talk about movies and comic books and things that annoy me and video games and all that kind of good stuff. And I also talk about music. And I have a dusty old song for us today. Oh, boy. Uh, well, initially I was going to see, because, like, there must be songs about Alien. Like, come on. But that seemed a little too obvious. So, ooh, instead, ooh, ooh. I decided to go... Come on, you gotta have a you gotta have a Klaatu song in there somewhere. <laughs> or is that not <laughs> dusty and old enough yet? I, I, I think it's more uh, calling calling occupants of interplanetary craft feels like the wrong mood for this movie. That's a little too, a little too hopeful. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of songs you could uh, go about cats, but I feel like the cat game back would be too, like, oh, no, here. <laughs> <laughs> no for, for instead, I, d- I decided to go for something that's more about, uh, what's about the movie more, the characters. My dusty old song for this episode is Space Truckin' by Deep Purple. Uh, or you can listen to it, and you too can go space trucking. And if you really want the true Weave experience, you listen to the version from their excellent live album, Made in Japan, which is 20 minutes long. Because of course it is. I'm looking that up right now, and uh... you're not, you're not, if you're if you're not if you don't have a song in your live album that takes up an entire side of vinyl, are you really a hard rock band from the 70s? Okay, I think not. okay, I found it. <laughs> I, I found the video. It's on YouTube. If you want to look it there, um, I'm sure there's more legal places to find it, but. Yep, 20 minutes. Yeah, that, that, might, that might actually be a legal stream. A lot of music's just on YouTube these days. It's very odd. Anyways, so uh, with that, thank you so much for listening to our episode and listening to us talk about this vaguely obscure movie that I don't think people talk about ever. <laughs> it was fun. We're just that cool. Yes. Uh, have a happy Halloween. Uh, and, uh, I don't know, watch out for zombies, I guess. Oh, no, zombies just want to be your friends. Now, capitalism, that's who you got to watch out for. Don't go on space True. voyages for the money. It's not worth it. You won't get to spend it, and all your friends and family will be dead by the time you get back anyways. Yep. So, uh, aloha, and otakuan, my friends. Have a good night, y'all. Rock over Boston, rock on Chicago. Ooh, no one can hear you in space.